Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. There's so many uh, you know, socially focused songs, even from the 60s and 70s, you know, that keep <laughs> being relevant. And I'm like, man, yeah, yeah. when are we going to get past this? You know, I, I finally, I made a conscious decision um, when that asshole got elected. I, I won't even say his name. Um, <laughs> but it was funny because we were making the album during that whole election process. And um, i never forget, I stayed up and I was watching... Because I was like, man, I want to stay up and watch your returns. I, you know, I want to see Hillary win. You know, but I was like, I got a session in the morning. I got to, you know, I got to be sharp and whatnot. So I think some numbers had just started to trickle in. And at that point, they were already kind of saying, oh, you know, Hillary won here and he, she won here and she won there. And I was like, good, you know, I'm going to get up in the morning and hear Hillary's the president of the United States. And I got up and I turned on the news and it was like, well, you know, we've gotten we've gotten about eighty percent in, and, and, and it, it looks like Donald Trump is the uh, presumptive winner. And I was like, "No, I'm going back to bed." Yeah, or I'm not awake yet. Yeah, I'm going to hit myself, and I'm going to wake up and go, "That was a bad dream, right?" And I got up, and it wasn't. It was what it was. And the funny thing was, New York did not vote him in. We knew what he was. He was a scumbag just like his father. Um, yeah. Or California, was, which is where yeah. I'm from. We, so we, there was no love whatsoever. So when I left out the house that day, it was the strangest. I left out the house and people just moved in silence. Nobody spoke. You could have heard a rat piss on, dude, you could have heard a rat piss on cotton. And this is the, you know, that's how it was just freakish. I got on the train, nothing, not a murmur, not a whisper, not a fart. Nobody said nothing. And this is me riding from the Bronx into Manhattan, get to Manhattan, jump on another train, go to Brooklyn, silence. Because everybody was just numb, like this could not have happened. I got out the train station in Brooklyn, Williamsburg, I come upstairs, and everybody is just like, they just couldn't believe it. So I go in, you know, I get into the studio and everybody comes in and everybody's just sitting there like, this is ridiculous. And we're like, he stole the election. I said, the Russians, the Russians tapped in and hacked and did all this kind of shit and whatnot. So <laughs> the song we were going to work on to start with was Repetition, a song called Repetition. And I called it Repetition because it only had one lyric in it. And the lyric was, shit won't stop until shit stops. That was the lyric, nothing else. And we're sitting there and we're, and we're listening to the playback. And I said, well, we can go and cut vocals. And I said, you know something? No, we need to add another lyric. We need to put fuck Trump in that mother. <laughs> so it became shit won't stop until shit stops. Fuck Trump. <laughs> <laughs> so we go in to cut it and we're chanting like shit won't stop one, two, six, stop, fuck, Trump, shit won't stop. So when we finished, I was like, you know something, that might be a little too obvious. 
I said, let's flip it. I said, hey, can you can you run that backwards? He was like, what, the fuck, Trump? I was like, yeah. So I was like, shit won't stop until shit stops. And it still sounded like he said, rock Trump. <laughs> but we made it. Um, it's a song that shows up after Evolution. So it's an unlisted track. Um, evolution ends, and then there's like maybe 60 seconds of silence. And then it shows up. But we cut that the day he got elected. So. Wow. I, you know, I feel like I still have, you know, PS, uh, PS PTSD, you know, and, uh, but I, I, I'm telling people that's the best birthday gift I could ever have what happened this week, you know. I knew people who said they slept for the first time <laughs> that night. Because nobody nobody slept well for the last three four years. I said no because you never knew what you were gonna wake up to. You never knew what what new ass wipe was gonna pop up out the ground, feeling empowered by that shit bird. It just you know, for the first time in a long time. And I said you know, in one aspect I was because I always my, my mentality is always yeah there's lemons, but what do you do with your lemons? You know, you either make great lemonade, you make lemon meringue pie, you make chicken piccata, you do something with those lemons. And in, in the wake of him, what I thought was great was that it finally showed America for what America is. Yeah, not a pretty picture. <laughs> no, not at all. And, and that's the thing, you know, I think from the first time we went on the road in 89, that was the first time we went across the United States, you know, um, we went to places we thought we'd never go. Um, also, the first time we went to Europe. But it was amazing going across America and encountering people from the smallest town, you know, in every state. We, and we, there wasn't any place that we didn't play. Um, but the feeling was we came away understanding that people are people and there's good people everywhere. Um, and it was amazing just how much the music, it, it literally just like put people together. Um, didn't matter, you could have been green, yellow, purple, whatever, but you know, we watched more black and white kids, mosh, pit, you know, <laughs> elbow, slinging at these shows. And you know, it was like, wow. What, what would you say, the what was the typical like, uh, racial mix at your early shows? The first year, I'll use the first year as a great example. The first year for us, um, the shows, depending on, I'd say overall, because you can get to certain states and it would be a different makeup. But for the most part, I'd say it was 70% white, 30% black. Um, like, the white kid, the reason why the white kids got turned on to us early, early on was because we showed up in in, in the skate skater magazines. Mm -hmm. We wouldn't threat because we were wearing we were wearing Vision streetwear, Stussy. You know, we came out of the hardcore scene in New York. Um, we literally were a chameleon type band because there wasn't there wasn't any place that we couldn't fit in. As strange as we were musically, but we 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 got in. And you know, great case in point. Um, our first, <laughs> which is classic, our first real show, opening for somebody, wasn't. Um, it is still like a mind blower, but it was Jesse Johnson's review. <laughs> that was our first real show. We opened for him at the Ritz, um, which was just classic because we'd gone to the Ritz and seen because the Ritz was the room to see everybody. And we did see everybody there, you know. That's where we saw the Peppers. That's where we saw Fishbone. That's where we saw the Bus Boys. We saw so many amazing shows at the Ritz. So for us to be playing the Ritz was going to be, like, epic. But to be opening for Jesse Johnson's review was going to be, like, unbelievable. So we get there, and, you know, at this point in time, our equipment is literally held together with spit and bubble gum <laughs> and tape and shoestring, and we get there, and we come busting in the club. Yeah, like, we fucking made it, ah, you know, and we bring our raggedy shit in. 
<laughs> he just rolled into the club, bam, making all this noise. And Jesse's whole thing, whole vibe was all so clean too, like the opposite of that. Well, you know, all of a sudden you look up at the stage and you go, oh, because at that point it was like pink marshals, pink polka dot marshals, and I mean the set was like, wow, like you were stunned at the beauty of the setup. Yeah. The funniest thing was, you know, we 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 we, we push our little raggedy shit down to the to the lift of the front of the stage and whatnot. I'm like, wow! And just like my Eddie Hazel moment, I had that same moment with Jesse. I jump up on the stage, no shame in my game. I'm like, wow, Mr. Johnson, unbelievable, amazing to meet you and shit. Didn't shake my hand. Turned around and told his his tech. Make sure they shit don't touch my shit. <laughs> and walked away from it. <laughs> which was great. And I was like, yeah, fuck him too. We here and we went right back to our regular shit. So the funny thing was, our, time to play. You know, we get up there and we do our thing. And, you know, the diehard fans are like, wow, spies on in the Ritz and shit. We're like, yeah. And we up there thinking we killing it, you know. We do our little 45-minute set, whatever it was. Get our raggedy shit off, you know. It's it's Jesse Johnson's time now. So the old Ritz, the Ritz had on um, the dressing room was uh, right over the stage, so you could have this huge window, so you could literally like look down on the stage as the show was going on. You know, they come out, and you know the girls are going crazy. You know, everybody's in lace and whatnot. It's it's the, you know, <laughs> the Prince thing has transferred over now. So, and I'm just watching this dude. And I'm just like. Fucking asshole. <laughs> Fucking asshole. Fucking asshole. And, you know, they, they going through the motions and they doing anything and whatnot. I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, all right, whatever. And about four songs in, he goes, um, I want to do something. You know, he goes, he goes, you know, because we don't, you know, we don't get to do this too often. He said, um, he goes, y'all hip to the blues. I'm like, oh, dude's gonna go. He's gonna play some blues. So we'll see. He goes. He goes. We're gonna play Red House. And dude burned the fucking hole in that stage. He, dude, it was almost like it was almost like if I thought I knew he was a badass in the time. I had no idea to how deep of a badass he was until you know the show stopped and he decided to get real and he played his ass off and i watched him and i was just like wow and i learned a valuable lesson because i was like you know i said too bad he was an asshole to me you know because he's such a great player i was like but if i ever meet anybody i said i'm not going to do what he did because if i meet somebody who's young and impressionable i don't want to get them i don't want to give them the impression that you know i'm, I'm here i made it and i'm an asshole no I'm gonna speak to everybody, you know. He blew me off. He's 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 been notorious for how moody he is, and I, I saw that tour back then too. And uh, the one I saw was in uh, Anaheim, California, and uh, Grandmaster right. Flash and the Furious Five were the opening on that one. But I got to go backstage and I met Jesse and have him sign something. But yeah, I can't say he was real warm and friendly. Well, I have a I have I have a uh, wow. I'm I'm so happy to say there is another side to the story. So, years later, I come on Facebook, and um, when I first came on Facebook, which was funny, like you know, this is new. I, I'm like the I'm the archaic man. Like, I didn't have, I didn't want a computer. I didn't want a cell phone. <laughs> I, I didn't want any of that stuff. And I wind up getting a computer, and everybody's like, "Oh man, wow, you stepped into the 20th century." I'm like, "Yeah, leave me alone." Um, you got to get on like social media. I'm like, what the hell is social media? You know? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you got to put up a page on Facebook and this, that, and the other. I'm like, hey, what is Facebook? So I, I, fine. I had no intention of putting a personal page up. I said, well, I can put a band page up because ain't nobody looking for me. Um, I put up the band's page or what I thought was the band page. And I just put up a personal page. Everybody found me personally and i was like you gotta be kidding so about a year in i i ordered some custom apps from a company called spawn and um 
I had gotten really sick and tired of black amps. <laughs> I was like, I love color, you know, but, you know, so I, I ordered a set of North Carolina blue Tolex and white because my favorite car was always a 57 Bel Air. Mm. And the first time I saw one, it was like, it was that North Carolina blue and white. It was gorgeous. I was like, I want my amps to look like that Bel Air. So I had them do them in North Carolina. And, and I, they, they were freaking out because metal dudes don't do color, or at least they didn't do color at that point. And I wound up being the first guy who ordered sky blue and white <coughs> amps, cabinets, heads, and they looked like cotton candy. They were beautiful. So I post them, and everybody's freaking. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. So at that point in time, I don't even know how to set my um, my, my parameters in Facebook. And my shit is just anybody can post, anybody can respond. And it's one day I see Jesse Johnson. <laughs> hey, man, this is Jesse. Wow, your amps look amazing. What are they like? Mesa, Marshall, please let me know. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Really? I didn't answer him back. <laughs> so when I go back to the thread, like a day or two later, he removed his comment. I was like, probably wasn't him anyway. Comes back again. Hey, man, it's Jesse. Um, I wrote on the thread before, but I didn't think you saw it. So, dude, give me some insight on these amps. I'm like, Jesse Johnson? You got to be kidding me. So I went and I clicked on and it was it was him. He had a personal page at that time. I was like, oh, wow, okay. I was like, <laughs> and I didn't, I didn't respond again. <laughs> so the next thing I get is an inbox message, and it's, he gives me his phone number. And he's like, Jimmy, this is Jesse. He goes, dude, he goes, I'm dying to know about the amps. He goes, give me a call. I was like, why does dude want to talk to me, you know? Because all of a sudden I go back to like 1980, whatever the hell, and I'm like, he blew me off. <laughs> so I was like, should I call him? And I saw his birthday was coming up. I was like, I'm going to do the bitch move. The bitch move is when you can call somebody any day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but you don't. But because it's Thanksgiving, Hey, happy holiday. That, that's your that's your entryway into a conversation. You could have had that conversation any day because it was Tuesday, Monday. So I was like, I'll, I'll wait until his birthday to call him. I, you know, I'm going to let him, I'm just not going to call him. So I waited like a week, maybe two weeks, and I finally called. When I called, my whole mood was like, I'm going to be iceberg slim. Yeah. Jimmy. Yeah. Whoa, man, you called me. Yeah. How you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I'm literally just trying not to give dude anything. And his, 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 his wife at the time was there. So everything I say to him, he says to her, I can't, it's Jimmy, blah, 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 blah. And we're talking. And um, there's that angel and the devil thing again, you know? And the angel is going, don't bring up the past. <laughs> The devil is like, tell that motherfucker he blew you off. <laughs> I was like, shut up. So we talking, we laughing, you know, and and and, and it, he was warm, and it was it was a beautiful conversation. And we about maybe a half an hour in, and I finally said, dude, I said, oh no, he shocked me. About fifteen minutes in, he goes, dude, he goes, um. He goes, you shot up my name out in No Hope for Niggas. He said, and I damn near cried. I was like, you you know? Because I didn't, I didn't think he had any idea, you know. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, are you kidding me? Because at the end of the song, I started shouting out the names of guitar players and, you know, black guitar players who, you know, who I felt needed to be shouted out. He was one of them. But I never knew that he heard the song. Um, I was like, wow, oh, man, that was, you know, so I finally said to him, you know, I said, you know, well, we met, like, years ago. He's like, are you serious? I was like, no, seriously. I said, as a matter of fact, we opened up for you. 
And he's like, no way. I was like, yeah. He goes, where? I said, New York. He goes, what, what, what venue? I said, the Ritz. He goes, that was y'all? He said, I, I thought that was living color. <laughs> like, no, it was the other black guys. Uh. <laughs> but he's like, no, seriously, that was y'all? I was like, yeah. So he goes, I, I said, and quite honestly, you were an asshole to me. <laughs> and he goes, really? What did I do? And I kind of like just left out, you know, certain things. I was like, well, you know, we got to the club and, you know, we came in. I, I came up to shake your hand. He was like, and all of a sudden he was like, wait a minute. He goes, y'all were that rowdy ass bunch of dudes with that really fucked up equipment. I was like, oh, shit, he remembered. Oh, God. And he was like, man, he goes, let me tell you something that you probably didn't know then. I was like, yes, sir. Tell me something. He's like, do you know how hard New York was as a market uh, for y'all? I said, no, I, you know, because at that point, I assumed, you know, I didn't know the nature of the business, per se. Um, he was like, New York was always a hard market. He said, we had diehards, but New York was a hard market. He said, so they literally, he would, you know, be at every radio station, you know, kissing babies, shaking hands, politicking. You know, he goes, all I want to do is get to the venue and, and get to my stage, you know. He goes, so we, I finally get there for sound tech. He said, you know, I didn't even get the chance to go through the front and see the marquee. You know, they took him around the back of the fire escape, <laughs> out the view of people and whatnot. And he was like, so, you know, sanctuary was sound tech. He said, and here we are, and I'm just getting acclimated, and here y'all come. And y'all literally crashed the party, like, we did. And he goes, so where's the most important place you can go when you want to get away from everything? I could sound check. He goes, exactly. I was like, so I'm sorry. He goes, no, I'm sorry, too. And um, <laughs> from that point, moving forward, he, he's my brother. Um, I love him to death. Love him to death. He's, he's, he's such a beautiful dude. As amazing a player he is, is as beautiful a person he is. Seriously. Yeah, he's just kind of a private guy, I think, is part of it, too. You know, it's all. I think it's also because it's, and I realized it looking back. You know, it's it's kind of like what people think things are. You know, and the whole Prince Mystique and the whole Minneapolis thing. I think it it grew beyond the point of folklore. You know, it literally became, it just became its own entity. And for him, I mean, it had to be deep. You know. I remember when um they played the sh um they wound up not being able to play um I think when they got to New York um but instead had to stay behind the scrim and back up Vanity Six because Prince pulled them off the bill so they didn't get to play um you know I mean so many so many like petty things had gotten done to them um and then you know for years Jesse kind of got tagged with the, you know, he, he wasn't seen for who he was until he broke out did his own thing. And um, even at that point, while he made great music, um, it wasn't until I think people started, by the time we get to like crazy, Shaka Delica, um, him and Sly, you know, he he really kind of starts to dig deeper into his own thing, and by the time we get to bear my naked soul, it's like, well, yeah, that's a full-on rock album. Ooh, my goodness! I was like, dude, I've been waiting for that record. Yeah, that's that's a riff-heavy record. Oh, that and that's where he. I mean, dude is he's a beast. Absolutely, I just heard. You know, we talk all the time, which is great. Like I said, he's he's family. Um, that's the other thing that I'm really grateful for. Like so many of the cats that I come in contact with, um, I, mean, I might start off as a fan, but we turn into family, um, and it stays that way. You know, well, well, when he and some of those other guys you mentioned, um, you guys came together for the Jeff Lee Johnson project, right? Oh man, <clears throat> yeah, that was um, that was heavy. That was heavy because 
Jeff, who I had, it's, this is so funny. This is so funny. So Jeff, who I knew of but didn't know of but knew of <laughs> in, in the strangest way, um, a girl I was seeing at the time was a huge R&B fanatic. And um, I said, oh, you know, she loved the whispers. <clears throat> I was like, I'm going to surprise her, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to take her to the, go see the whispers and whatnot. And I'm really surprised because I'm going to go buy pants um, <laughs> because I lived in shorts and T-shirts. Um, but I actually went out and bought, like, grown people clothes so I could take it to this nice gig. But Rochelle Farrell was the opening act for the whispers. And um, I knew what she was going to do. Um, but we're sitting there, and I'm completely fixated on the guitar player who is just playing some of the most otherworldly amazing stuff. And I'm just like, who is this dude? Who, you know, that's all I keep saying to myself. Who is this dude? So they get to um, a track called I Forgive You. And she starts off the track, and she goes, go on and speak to the people, Jeff. And he proceeded to just... School was in session, and I'm sitting there with goosebumps and chills. I'm like, "Who is this motherfucker?" Getting to the song, and I'm just his 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 choice of chords, his whole his whole arsenal of everything was just beyond. And I'm just like, "This dude is is just killing me." And when they ended the song, everybody got up and she introduced him as the Emperor Jeffrey Johnson, and everybody got up and gave him standing for. And I was like, Jeffrey Johnson. Oh. <laughs> I wrote it on my hand. Like, you know you won't remember that. But that was my introduction to him without it being my introduction. So Yeah, Jeff with one F. The next thing winds up being um, Jungle. So I was watching, I think it was, what was it? It, um, it might have been, the show was Homicide. Life on the Streets, and Yafet Koto played, uh, uh, I think, the, the chief of police. And the whole episode literally kind of like started at the end of the day, went through the how the day turned into what it turned into, and then ended with it how it started. So it turned out there was like a riot in the city. There was all kinds of unrest, all kinds of mayhem. And the way the show started was him in his office. Like the end of the day, he was just sitting there. And in the day, he showed everything else that happened. So at the end of the show, it ended with him walking into the office, sitting down in the chair, shutting the blinds, and just sitting back. And Jungle comes on. I took a little nap, woke up in the jungle. And he's mouthing the words. And I'm like, I know that. I'm like, but I, once again, it was like that moment, and I was like, I gotta see who that was. So when the credits roll, Jeffrey Johnson, I'm like, ah, ah, okay. So the weird thing was, we did these, we did a series of shows called the Million Man Ma shows. Um, Ronnie Drayton's son had been unjustly incarcerated, so us and Living Color got together to raise money, um, and we did the first one, success. And Jeff had reached out to Ronnie and said, um, you know, if you guys ever do another one, I'd love to participate. Like, okay, cool. So one day Ronnie calls me. He goes, dude, he goes, oh, man, you know, Jeffrey Johnson wants to get down if we do a, a second one. I was like, wow, really? He's like, yeah. I'm like, oh, man. He goes, you know Jeff, right? And I was like, no. I said, I know of Jeff, but I don't know Jeff. He goes, oh, man, you know, and he proceeds to tell me, like, you know, you never know which Jeff you're going to get um, when you talk to Jeff. And I was like, really? You know, because what I didn't know was that um, Jeff's he had gotten married um, to the love of his life. And not long after getting married, um, she died in a car crash. Car got T-boned. Um, and from that point moving forward, Jeff was never the same. Um Depression was, for lack of a better word, became like the umbrella which he sat under. Um, 
he didn't he didn't want to play um he literally just didn't want to live but uh the, the best thing that came out of that was George Duke <laughs> which I was so grateful for George Duke was going back out on the road like a year or so later and he calls Jeff and he tells Jeff um I need you to come and play with me and Jeff said no I don't want to go and George said um you have to go. And Jeff said, I don't want to go. I don't want to play. And George said, well, if you don't go, um, my wife's going to kill me because I'm not going to go on tour. <laughs> and Jeff said, oh, man, okay. So Jeff went out, and it wound up, it wound up being like a cathartic experience. It, it, was, it was really necessary for him to be around people who loved him and you know, cared about it. and he was doing what he was meant to do. But it would ebb and flow, you know. He'd be dark Jeff, he'd be light Jeff, he'd be whatever he was. So Ronnie says, let's call Jeff. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Three-way. Phone rings. Jeff answers like, yellow. Ronnie goes, hey, 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 Jeff, what up? It's, it's Hag. Oh, yeah, hey, what's up? He goes, I got I got Jimmy Hazel on the line. I was like, hey, Jeff. He's like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Ronnie goes, so, you know, we were just talking about possibly putting together uh, another Million Man Mosh. You know, and I remember you said if we did, you wanted to get down. You know, you, uh, you know, you still think you might want to do that? Yeah, he goes, <clears throat> Ronnie goes, okay. He goes, well, so what's going on, man? How you doing? <clears throat> He goes, okay. He goes, um, so how you feeling? <clears throat> After like four, hmm, Ronnie goes, motherfuckers, all you gonna say is, hmm? And Jeff goes, no. He goes, well, what? Jeff goes, Mr. Hazel. I said, yeah. I said, yeah, what's up? He goes, what took you so long? I said, oh, okay, it's like that. And that started the most unbelievable brotherhood between Jeff and myself. And um, it, it was it was crazy because I learned so much. Like I didn't know I didn't know the extent of the depression. I didn't know the extent of the darkness. I didn't know a lot of it because he never brought it to me. He would reach out to me, and you know, I found out a lot of stuff after the fact. Um, he didn't. Talk, he wasn't. Talk, he wouldn't talk to people. You know, he wouldn't interact, but he would talk to me. He would call me. He would email me. You know, we talk about music because we were on the same page about a lot of stuff. Um, I just didn't know how deep it was. So he winds up playing um, in D'Angelo's band. Um, but he wasn't enjoying himself, wasn't having a good time. So, and he would call and just go, you know, this is, you know, this is not my thing. I said, well, you know, everybody's talking about you. He goes, I don't care. This, I'm not happy here. You know, so he winds up leaving D'Angelo. And the funny thing was, who replaces him? And Jesse. Jesse. Yeah. <laughs> so, the crazy thing was this one show. Um, they were going to do a European tour, and um, Jesse was all slated to go, but didn't realize there was a problem with the passport. So Jesse couldn't go, so D'Angelo calls Jesse calls Jeff. Oh man, you got you got to come out, man! You got to come out, man! Jeff is like, no, <laughs> no. Oh man, you gotta come up, man. You gotta save me, man. I can't cancel these dates, you know. Just come out, hold it down until Jesse can get his shit together and come on out, blah, 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 blah. Jeff goes out. <laughs> so, the crazy thing was, he was excited, and so was Jesse because I think they thought at some point they were gonna wind up playing together because they didn't, they knew each other. They played together with Shaka Khan. Um, not too long on a couple of sessions or whatever it was, but they thought 
they were going to cross paths. And the day Jeff left was the day Jesse came over. And they missed each other. And um, the crazy thing was that people kept saying, Jeff Lee, Jeff Lee, Jeff Lee. <laughs> but they were saying, Jesse. <laughs> so it's like, y'all, y'all missing it. Y'all got them confused. You know, one dude is one dude, the other dude is the other dude. So he winds up going out with Esperanza Spalding, um, which was great. Um, came to New York. Um, they did an Austin City Limits episode. Um, but he goes, Jim, he, he was really excited again about playing. And he goes, Jimmy, I booked a show in New York. I was like, you're kidding. He goes, no. I said, oh, he goes, I'm, I'm coming home. I was like, oh, this is great. He goes, let everybody know. I was like, you know, I will. And I, you know, we did. Um, the weirdest thing was they put him on to play the late night slot at the Blue Note. So that meant it was a 12 o'clock show. Chris Bodie had a residency at the Blue Note. So the club is packed with Japanese tourists and, you know, eh, whatever. You know, they come to hear, you know, you know, and I, I, and it was weird because this one day, wow, this one day, it was beautiful outside. It was gorgeous, but they kept saying it was this crazy nor'easter that was going to creep in by late afternoon, early evening, and it was going to get cold. And my girl says to me, you're probably not going to go because it's going to be freezing. And I was like, oh, I'm going. You know, like For me, it was like we were going to play together the following month for the second Million Man March. But I was like, I have to go. It's like I got to go kiss the ring. <laughs> you know? So sure enough, she comes home. I'm dressed. She goes, you're really going? And I was like, yeah. But here's how the day went. By 2 o'clock, it was 50 degrees. By 4 o'clock, it was 40 degrees. By the time I left to go downtown, it was 25 degrees. I mean, it was unbelievable. By the time I got downtown and got out the train station, it was, it was absolutely freezing. So I make my way to the club, and... Um, I look through the glass doors, and Jeff is standing there. And I knock on the on the glass because you couldn't you couldn't go in because the club was overpacked. They was they weren't taking any more people for Chris Bodie's performance. So I knock on the glass, and Jeff sees me. And this is the first time we see each other, and it was like ah, like like long lost family and whatnot. And and we just the six months. The year leading up to that moment had just cemented this relationship. And um, we just standing there laughing and talking and whatnot. And while we're standing there laughing and talking, we're listening. And Chris Bodie's band starts playing Iron Man. <laughs> and we're like, I guess this is him getting off. You know, like, what, what is this all about? In the meantime, people are going crazy. Like, he's rocking out. He's rocking out. We're like, oh, God. He goes, well, come on inside. So we go upstairs. He has Michael Bland playing drums with him. Um, um, it's Kat, uh, Johannes Tone on bass. Three-piece. Um, this was the first time me and Michael meet. But I, I knew who he was, you know. But every thing, once again, it's like, I don't, I don't think I ever think that everybody knows who. You're not supposed to know me. I'm supposed to know you. But you're not supposed to know me, but you actually do. That's crazy. But everybody all just sitting around talking, and I tell Jeff the first time I saw him, which winds up being the Richard Burrell show, and he's like, that's crazy. I said, no. He goes, you want to know how I got introduced to Spies? I'm like, please. He goes, 1989. <laughs> I'm sitting at home. I got a of Lucky Charms. I'm watching BET. And the Jungle Boogie video comes on. I was like, oh, why he goes? He goes, I literally took a spoonful, looked up, dropped my spoon, and said, more niggas are coming. More niggas are coming. <laughs> I was like, oh, dude. So he knew about us from the moment we hit, which was mind-blowing to me. You know, once again, it's that thing. But Michael had said, this can't possibly be the first time you guys have met. 
I said, you mean in the flesh? I said, it is. He goes, no. Nah. He goes, y'all dudes, this camaraderie is, is years in the making. I said, this is family. And um, I said, well, I'll tech for you. You know what I'm saying? I said, so what you got? He goes, oh, I have, um, they got me a twin. I got my guitars. I'm like, where's your pedal board? He goes, I don't have one. I'm like, okay. So I take your stuff downstairs, get them set up. And I'm like, well, what do you got? He had one pedal with him. He had a rack pedal. That was it. Now I owned a rack pedal years ago. And I was like, okay. Okay, whatever. Dude gets up. Now, Chris Bodie went into overtime. So, but they, you know, because people are buying and the bar is flowing and the money's, they don't clear anybody out. So, what would have been a 12 o'clock start for Jeff's show now becomes an almost 1 o'clock start. It's freezing outside, and they were turning people away who wanted to buy tickets because they wanted to clear the house and start with a fresh, you know, a fresh pad. So if you came up to buy a ticket for Jeff's show, they told you to come back in a half an hour. It's 10 degrees outside. Who in their right mind is going to leave and come back? They opened the doors. The diehards were outside lined up. They come on in. Now, if you were there and you watched Chris Bodie's show, it was ass to elbow deep. You couldn't turn around in there. It was packed. The people coming for Jeff's show, the house is maybe... 70% crowded. Um, not Maybe not even that. And they come on down. And Jeff, you know, he was, he was in good spirits to start. Um, about three, four songs in, you know, because he wasn't playing like two-minute songs. He was stretching out and, you know, doing his thing. By now, it's maybe two o'clock. And some people have started to leave. So this was when I saw something I'd never seen before in my life. And I sat in front of his rig. Um, and all of a sudden, Jeff slipped into this dark place. And Jeff said, um, you know, I, I just want to thank all the people who said they were going to come that didn't come. And I was like, okay. You know, like, that was sarcastic. But he was a Serbic anyway, so I thought nothing of it. And dude launched into just, they started to play. And um, I think for the first time in my life, I saw spirits come out of an amp. I mean, I was, I was literally like frozen. I saw apparitions. It scared the shit out of me. Because I was like, dude is in such a dark place that he's playing out his demons. And shit was just coming. And I'm just sitting there. I couldn't move. I sat there for the length of the song. And I was like, when it was over, I was exhausted. And he stayed in that same place for like two more songs. And I literally was just spent. And by the time they finished those three songs, there were maybe 40 people left in the club. And um, he snapped out of it. And um decided to play jungle, you know, and we made as we made as much noise as 30, 40 people could make. Um and they killed it, killed it, killed it, killed it. Um show's over. It's like three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. You know, so everybody they want to stop and say hello, but they gotta get that loud. They gotta try to get home. Now mind you at this point it's like five degrees outside. <laughs> And, you know, Jeff had on this Hendrix-style military jacket, and he sweated the hell out of it. Um, so his sisters were there. I didn't know. You know so he brings them up, and um, he's more excited to introduce his sisters to me. And I'm like, it's not even about me. It's about you. You know what I'm saying? And um, <sighs> Judy, one of his sisters, has said to him, um, I don't, I don't even know why I was kind of like, you know how like you're, you're not supposed to be a fly on the wall for certain conversations, but you are? And she said to him, um, are you going to come home for Christmas? And he said, you know I don't, I, don't, I don't celebrate Christmas. I don't do holidays. And she goes, well, what are you going to do? He said, I'm, I'm going to get a bowl of Lucky Charms and watch the Twilight Zone Marathon. And she started to cry. 
And I was like, okay, like I'm I don't think I'm supposed to be in the middle of this conversation. You know what I'm saying? And um and the other sister, um uh uh Joanne said, um, are you gonna stay the night, you know, because we got hotel rooms. And he was like, No, no, I'm, I'm gonna go back to Philly. And they were like, you don't have to, you know, we got we got extra rooms, you know. And he was like, no, nah, I want to go home. And um, I stayed there for the whole time, and I said, well, I got to figure out how I'm going to get home because for me to take the train at that time, man, I wouldn't have got home <laughs> until 6 o'clock. I said, well, I'm going to see if I can catch a cab. And he goes, I'm going to walk you outside. And I was like, no, dude, don't don't step outside, you know. I got a Woolrich on. I got my Tims on. I'm ready for the weather. He's got this... He had a leather jacket with, with fringe, which was beautiful. When he held out his arms, the fringe dropped. That was his rainbow crow jacket. And um, he puts that on over his sweaty, suede Hendrix-style vest to walk me outside. And I was like, dude, do not. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Luckily, I walked outside. As soon as I put my hand up, a cat pulled up. I said, I'm straight. You know, gives me a hug. I said, dude, don't even worry about tonight. We're going to make up for it in three weeks, you know, when we all get together. Because the show that we were going to do, that Million Man Ma show was, we had Eddie Martinez, um, us, Living Color. Um, it was just going to be like the cats. So he was like, hell yeah, we're going we gonna to kill it. I was like, exactly. So my last sight of him was me pulling off, but he didn't walk back into the club. He walked across the street into the garage, and it was freezing outside. And all I kept thinking was, I wish he would have stayed. I wish he would stay in New York and not drive home, because if he was going to drive home, he has to stay awake. And if he has to stay awake, that means more than likely he's going to keep the window open. It's five degrees outside. Well, you know. I said, let me know when you get home, you know, I finally hear, yeah, I'm here, you know, okay, cool. But he winds up getting sick. Um, and so by the time the Million Man My Show comes about, um, Ronnie, I said, did you hear from Jeff? I said, no. He goes, let's call him. And he calls, and um, Jeff had sent me a message maybe three days before, and he said, um, um, I, 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 I drew my leg out but I'll be all right. He goes, I got a cold that I'm trying to shake, and um, but I'll, I'll be all right. I'm like, okay. I said, you good? You, you, you going to come? He's like, yeah, I'm not going to miss this for nothing. So we call him when we get the sound check, and um, his sister answers the phone, and she goes, he he's not going anywhere. Um, and Ronnie goes, what's wrong? She goes, he's sick. And he's, he's in the back just kind of like just speaking incoherently. And he goes, who's that? And she goes, it's Ronnie and Jimmy. He goes, I want to talk to them. Give me the phone. So he gets on the phone with Ronnie, and he says, I'm trying to get somebody to bring me down for the show. And Ronnie said, no, dude, don't don't pull no cowboy shit. Stay your ass at home. And he was like, no, 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 I need to be there. You know? Um, sister got back on the phone. She goes, Jeff's not going anywhere. I said, okay. So we do the show, you know, because... Um, the other thing was when we talked about what did he want to do for the show. I'm sorry this is such a long story, <laughs> but I asked him what do you want to do, and he was in one of those moves like he didn't care. And I said, well, what do you want to play? And he was like, I don't care. He goes, whatever. And I was like, dude, it can't be whatever. It's got to be what you want to do. And I immediately knew this was going to be one of those days where we just we weren't going to have a a good conversation. So I thought, and I said, I got an idea. I said, why don't you come up and play with spies and we can do jungle. And he lit up like a Christmas tree. He was like, really? I was like, yeah. I said, dude, you come up, we'll all play jungle together. He was like, yeah. So that's what we had planned to do. Um, didn't make the show. Um, that whole, I think the week leading up to his passing, which was crazy, we lost um, Sugarfoot. I think we lost Lou Wilson from Mandrill. And these are all, you know, my dudes. And then I got a message from Michael Bland, and he was like, Jimmy, you can't tell anybody, but Jeff's in a coma. And I was like, what does that mean, you know? 
but he passed like two days later. Um, so 2013 for me winds up being a really strange year because I went into a deep depression. I lost 18 people that year, and I couldn't figure it out. I didn't. I didn't. I lost people that meant a lot to me, um, and it didn't stop. It started in January and it went up to November. Um, but in my depression, I couldn't hear. So I, you know, thought I was supposed to be writing the next Vibes record, and that didn't happen. Um, so I think it was two years later, I finally, because I was mad at Jeff, you know, and I had learned so much in the wake of his passing, um, just how important our relationship was from other people, um, because he talked to everybody about me. Ah, deep, you know, and it was like, okay. And that's when I had the idea to do the thing for Jeff. There's much more to this great Truth and Rhythm interview. Just continue on to the next part of the episode. Also, be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. And become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.